my heart was sad. My wife said, why didn't you talk to him? I said he had made up his mind before he talked to me. You must understand that you are not teacher to everybody. Yes, you must understand. There are people that if you talk, it's an argument. Usually I quickly stop discussion on serious matters with such people. I know people I can instruct with the word of God. So I told my wife, this is why I really can't talk to him. It was sad. These days I try to help people more than before, but sometimes you just know when you can't. It's a no-go area. I said, anyway, from the things he's told me, I think the girl is better off without him. That from what he said, I think the girl is better off without him because the girl obviously needs a man of faith to be her husband because from what he's saying, she might go through certain challenges later in life and you need a, a man of faith to stand with you at such times. So let's forget it. He had forgotten it anyway. But now notice something later. His life wasn't going on very well. Of course, he might later as children and all of that. But I noticed that in other areas, his life wasn't moving well. And something kept on coming back to my mind. Now, you can argue this, but please get my concept. I'm not going to use it to explain a spiritual principle. I just thought to myself, if this young man had taken that challenge to God in prayer and said, God, because of your word, because of the love I have for you, I will go ahead with this marriage, even though these are the risks we may face. I was just convinced God would have settled him in every other area. He would have. Listen, everything you do in life has consequences. And I'm talking about faith. Some choices you make, it takes away faith for long life from you. You don't know it. Because faith is total. It's not desire that gets you things with God. It's faith. You can see it there. Jesus came to his hometown and he wanted to help them. The Bible said because of their unbelief, he couldn't help. And I'm trying to emphasize that many people cultivate and nurture and make unbelief grow. But they want to cut that area away from that area in which they are growing their unbelief. They want to cut it away from the area in which they want positive results in their lives. But it does not work. That's why I say to you, before you make any decision in life, ask yourself, who told me? You have to ask yourself, who told you? How did I know this? Why am I? If it's like uh, medical people say this, the economy people say this, my society says this, and that's the basis upon which you are deciding. What you are doing is that you are killing faith in other areas. That's what I'm going to explain. You are taking faith in other areas and destroying it. Remember what I said? Faith is not, I have just made up my mind. I'm believing God. Many of the times you are copying somebody who you thought that was how he believed God. Many times people take actions, listen to this, it appears like faith. It is not faith. It doesn't get results. And people are saying faith doesn't work. I'll give you an example. God told the people of Israel, Go in. You know the story in Kadesh Badia, Numbers 13, Numbers 14. Go in and possess the land. They said, let's go and spy it out and map it out. God said, no problem. Go ahead and do that. Then they came back. Ten spies said, the land is bad. The land is very good, but we can't go in. Why? The inhabitants are terrible. Joshua and Caleb said, if the Lord is with us, we can go in. 
Then, you know the rest of the story. Then God now came, the presence of God came down, and the Lord was angry, and Moses began to explain to them what God has said. In apparent repentance, now listen to this, listen to this. In apparent repentance, they got up and said, let us go in now. Moses said, the plan has changed. You are not going in. You are going to stay in the wilderness. You are going to be here for 40 years until the last of the men of war will have perished. They said, no, God was angry because we did not go in. Now we are going to go in. You know what? They went in and they were slaughtered. And Moses said to them, listen, I told you. Now, why am I telling that story? It is that God was saying to them, listen, there is no faith in your heart. There is just obuju on your face. There is right now no faith in your heart. It's obuju on your face. Many times people do things because they are copying people who they thought acted in faith. Those Israelites at that time, they wanted to re-impress God. You know, they wanted to give God a, a new impression of themselves. There was no faith in their heart at all. The word of God had not yielded, it was not mixed with faith in their hearts. You know, the other day I was listening to some men of God preach. Different people said the same thing at different times, but I'm just combining what Derek Prince and David Paulson and I think somebody has said. And he said many missionaries that came to Africa, I'm just summarizing the word. None of them used those words. I'm deducing from the things they said. There are many missionaries that came to Africa. They did not come because they loved God. They did not come because they loved the gospel. They came because they had to find something to do with their lives. They were just adventurers. I don't know where I get my point. They had this adventurous spirit. And since they were Christians, they decided to go into the adventure of Christianity, which is missionary work. And that was why the Reprint said, now, I want to just, the Reprint didn't say, he didn't link it, but there was something else he said, I'm tying it, okay? The Reprint said then, when he was in Kenya, he would see that the way the missionaries used to behave, if an African, a local, comes to their house for water, they will give him water because they are good Christians. Except that they will give him the water through the window. I don't know whether he got that. They will not let the fellow into their home. He's unclean. They were superior. I'm a superior white man. You're an inferior black man. You can't come into my house. So they will give him what they are being kind. One of my friends is in the U.S. One day he asked me, he said, Banky, do you think I'm racist? <laughs> because when he talks sometimes, you know he's angry. He's angry with the Mexican. He's angry with the white man. You know, he's angry with everybody. So one day he said, he said Banky, I think I'm racist. <laughs> Anytime you hear that, the white people are giving money to a cause in Africa. It irritates him. He said they don't love the people. They are trying to pacify their conscience. That it makes them feel superior, as far as he's concerned, when they hand down something to the poor African nation. So the thing gets on his nerves. And sometimes, now please, this, I'm not trying to criticize people. I'm trying to bring up an issue here. Many times people do things that you think is faith. Derek Prince said then, this was a white man himself talking, and he was saying that this was so wrong. He will go to the huts of the locals. He will sit down on the floor and eat their food. He will allow them into his home and his wife. He even adopted one African girl, his youngest um, daughter. ah, He adopted an African girl. Listen, that was just his life. And he got more results in a few years than all of them. For many years before that. 
Why? Because he didn't see the people as inferior. He saw them as people that God could redeem. I hope you are getting my point. And that allowed faith to rise up in his heart to work miracles in their lives. He told a story when he was in um, North Africa as a soldier during the Second World War. One day, there was this African, I think a Somali man, he said, let me go and teach you how to ride a donkey. So he and the fellow became friends. The guy was a Muslim. So they became friends. He took the guy, the guy he took Derek Prince out to go and teach him how to ride a donkey. Then, now listen to this though. Along the line, he said, I think they will bring food along. So he brought something, the man brought something. He had to eat what that man brought as a sign of, we are friends. What water were they going to drink? Got to a point, the guy said, sir, I know you can't drink this water. So, from a pool. The reference said, why not? He said, you're a white man. He said, no, doesn't matter. He said, he just taught himself, I shall drink deadly things and they will not hurt me. So he told the man, no problem, I will pray over it. I will drink it. So he drank it and the man was looking at you, an unusual white man. Then one day, know that the guy had a sore on his leg and the guy said the sore had been there for a long time. So he told him, do you mind if I pray for you? The fellow said, why not? So he prayed a gentle prayer for the man. The man, a few days later, came back. The sword that had been there for years was completely healed. By the time he left, that fellow was a Christian. I'm going to show you when I'm talking about faith being all around. There were missionaries that stayed there. And they were wondering why they were not getting results. And God is saying, in effect, how can you get results? You don't seem to get it. Your whole faith has disappeared. You think you have faith because you've left your country and you are here. You think you have faith because you're in the jungle. But your faith disappeared when you could not recognize that God is inside these people. And they are equal with me. Even though they may not be technologically advanced. They may not be civilized the way human beings talk about it. As long as you create that divide between you and them. Pray from now to tomorrow. My power won't come down. Why? You don't have faith. That's my message. Our faith must be what? Total. Let's read what God said about Joshua and Caleb. Something we have read many times before, but which we applied in a different way. Let's read from um, that numbers 13 and 14. It's in many places there. You find in Numbers chapter 14, you find in Numbers chapter 32, that God was talking about when these people came back, the Lord said that, listen, none of these people, in Numbers 14, shall see the land which I swore to their fathers. He said, nor shall any of those who have spawned me see it. That's verse 23. He said, but my servant Caleb, he will see it. Why? Because he has had a different spirit and has followed me fully. He said, I will bring him into the land which he entered and his descendants shall take possession of it. Why did I read that? Because he said, Caleb followed me fully. Let's read it again in, in chapter 32, when Moses was passing a comment on this matter. Moses said it like this. He was telling them, look, the, Lord, the Lord's anger burned in that day, that when these things happened in chapter, 12, uh, chapter 13 and chapter 14. And he swore, I'm reading verse 10 now. And he swore, saying, None of the men who came up from Egypt, from 20 years old and upward, shall see the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob, for they did not, fo- for they did not follow me fully. 
except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun. For they have followed the Lord fully. For they have followed the Lord fully. I won't read it again, but you also find that reference when Joshua was referring to it in chapter 4. And sorry, Caleb himself was referring to it, asking Joshua to let him go ahead and take the land, what used to be the land of the giants. And he went there to go and take that land, even though it was a man that was 85. So 45 years ago, my strength was the same as I'm experiencing it today for going out and for war. He said, why was it like that? He said, because I followed the Lord my God fully. That is, my strength was preserved because I followed him fully. For 45 years, God put the strength of Caleb at a particular point. Men were getting tired. Caleb was not getting tired. At the age of 85, he led a charge against giants. The place became Hebron. He named it Hebron. Before that, and the Bible said that place was called Kiriath Alba. Because Abba was the greatest of the Anakim. His descendants lived there. But a man who followed God fully, without deliberately believing God for strength, you must understand what I'm explaining here, is I told you those who are exercising faith, those who are, their faith is working, they don't do too much of, are you getting my point, to get something. Because the faith is there. If they just say, ah, why am I feeling tired today? That's not the plan of God. Just that, that small word, Cures them. Bring strength back into their system. He said, how did I get to that particular point? Because I followed God fully. I've explained that. Let me just really run over it. I like to teach it again and again because Christians are not often, if I'm the only preacher I've heard say it, so let me say it enough so that many people will hear it. There are two sides to it. Today I'm introducing the second side of what it means to follow God fully. The first side is the one I've talked here many times. And that's to explain the fact that the word of God has many aspects. And I decode that, or, I, or let me say, I decipher that from analyzing the book of Psalms, chapter 119. You hear him talk about thy word, thy word. And that's the promises of God. Sanctify, like he tell you, revive me according to thy word. All right? My, sleep, my, my soul cleaves to the dust. You know, make me live according to your word. That is he's asking God to fulfill his promise in his life. So when you see that word, thy word, thy word, in that Psalm 119, he was talking about the promises of God. That's the first aspect of God's word. Then the second aspect of God's word is what we call the precepts. The precepts are the principles. They are the way by which God does things. You just understand that this is, the, you know, there are things people tell me and say, no, like I told you, some people said they dreamt, and when they went to hellfire, they saw women that have um, uh, hair attachments and all of that. And they said, that's why God sent them here. And they, they, when they got there, they saw only men in heaven. That the women couldn't come to heaven. Why? Because the men don't wear attachments. They commit adultery, but God overlooks what's adultery just between friends. You know, that's a big deal. Or that they can come to heaven <laughs> while they are committing adultery. They can steal and come to heaven. They can murder and come to heaven. They can deny and curse God and come to heaven. As long as they don't wear hair extensions. And the women said they went to heaven and saw that. I said, the heaven you went must be the one that people are bumping themselves to go to. You understand my point? Seventy virgins and a lot of alcohol. Not the one that's in the Bible. Because the heaven of God, that's not the premise upon which people go there. How do I know that? It's called the precepts of God. We just read the scriptures. 
So whether you, people say that I should watch the video, I say I don't watch horror movies. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't have to watch an X-rated movie just to know it, so that I can know it's bad or it's good. From what you have told me by their fruit, you shall know them. The fruit I have seen, they didn't go anywhere. How do I know it's called the precepts of God? We just understand the way God reasons. Some of these things we hear these days. Somebody said, God said to me, 500 people today will give their first salary of this year and there will be breakthrough for them after. I start laughing. God never says such thing to 500 people. I said, look, it's so hard to make the merchandise of the souls of some of us. Why? He just from reading the Bible said, God, no, they talk like that. God said, give me money and I will bless your children. I said, God, when you do go broke? <laughs> you, you know, sometimes when I watch TV, I just get tired. Um, but you know, let me not go there. Apostle, we shouldn't go there. But we, should, we have to keep saying this thing so as to help Christians. Say, so if you give God the first small salary, the rest will be holy. If the first is holy, the rest are holy. Tell the pastor, in my pocket is holy. Don't worry about it. Anywhere my money is, it is holy. It can't become holy in your hand. Man of God, if you need money, say it openly. Say, my brethren, the church needs money. Who will give? Don't use the word of God to harass our souls. It's ungodly. You don't tithe, your life will be tight. It's not in the scriptures. I never saw it anywhere. Paul read the Bible. Paul wrote. Jesus spoke. John wrote his own. James, Peter. They didn't say it. Then you just manufactured, and I should believe it. I'm talking about the precepts of God. It's just by reading the scriptures, you just know that the Lord does not behave like this. There are commandments. There are things that are set clearly. And I'm not talking about ten commandments. There are so many more commandments. Rejoice again, I say rejoice. It's a commandment. Be careful for nothing. Don't worry. Don't have any anxiety about anything. It's a direct instruction of God. It is a direct instruction of God. We obey that one also. He said, love your enemies. It's a word of God. Never pray for them to die. You are a sinner if you pray like that. All my enemies this year, you will die, die. Die. Anybody praying like that is disobeying God directly because the first ever command, the instruction for prayer that Jesus gave was pray for your enemies. They are direct commandments. Then there are ordinances. I've given three. <clears throat> okay, then before I go to ordinances, there are testimonies. What are testimonies? There are things that for you, God says, don't do. Other people may do it, but you, I don't want you to do it. It's not unlawful. It's just that for you, you're not going to do that. Many times Christians, especially pastors, preachers have made a law out of their own personal testimonies. Sometimes God is trying to help you because of the weakness of your faith in an area. So he says, don't do this. He knows you can't handle it. And I say, no, in this church, there was a time... I heard the pastor in Winner say, you know in this church we don't drink coke. I said, Jesus Christ. How can you say that? I remember Bishop Hidipo was saying that he stopped drinking coke because he found out that he was drinking too much of it. He said then every time he's thirsty, he gets a bottle of coke. Every time he's thirsty, he had a bottle of coke in his hand. He said one day he looked at himself and said, ah, what's all of this? Why can't I drink water? 
So he just wanted to prove that Coke shall not have dominion over me. So he dropped it and said, I'm not drinking again. I heard the pastor later say, you know, in this church we don't drink Coke. That's what I call testimonies. Testimonies are personalized commandments. Manufactured only for you. Customized commandments. And then, there are ordinances. Ordinances are things that God says, they are physical things you do as a sign of a spiritual thing. For example, the Lord's Supper. Do this, he said, in remembrance of me. Gathering together with Christians. Those physical things, they are ordinances. That we, now, this, all of these things are different aspects of the word of God. And then, Joshua and Caleb, the Bible says that they followed God fully. This is my application of it. For you to be a true follower of the word of God, you must follow every aspect. The very common imbalance you find in Christianity is people often know the promises, but they don't know the precepts. This year is my year of breakthrough. God said, I will be the head and I will not be the tail. I will be above alone, I will not be beneath. It shall be worth with me, with me. I will be fruitful, I will multiply. They see all of those things, and those are true promises. No weapon that is fashioned against me shall prosper. Those are true promises. Then you follow the man to work. He doesn't understand the precepts of God at all. He lives like the average unbeliever around. Then when trouble comes, say, I reject it. You do not have the faith to reject it if you do not have the faith to obey the precepts. Like I say all the time, grace. Grace is not, God didn't give grace so that he will never have to punish sin. God gave grace so that he will not have to. I don't know whether you saw the way I twisted it there. What it means is that there will be no sin to punish if there is grace. Grace says that you can resist. Grace is the power to walk above. Grace is the power to say, no, everybody may do it, but I'm not doing it. You won't survive in the country. Grace says, whether I survive or die is irrelevant. I will not disobey my God. Grace makes Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego at different times in their trials, either they are going to the lion's den or facing the fiery furnace. Grace makes them stand and say, I won't bow. Grace does not mean I do any nonsense. And God will say, don't worry, he's, my, he's covered by my grace. That is the rubbish grace. Grace says where sin abounds, grace must much more abounds. Therefore, making people able to, able to resist the sin in the society. That is the amount of power I have to say no to corruption. An average American doesn't have it. Because he doesn't have that amount of corruption around him. I'm talking about financial corruption. That's what grace means. Grace means I take that grace. And people say, how did you manage? That man is a powerful man. You were able to stand up to him and say, no, even though he threatened you. I say, my brother, it's grace. So. It's not that I'm doing every iniquity in the world. I say, God will soon punish. say, no, we're under the dispensation of grace. <laughs> Don't believe the lie. That people tell you that your spirit is pure. It's only your flesh that is Sinning. There are churches that teach it. It's my flesh that's committing adultery. My spirit is at home. <laughs> you know, I told people that God will have to punish people one day. He can't take this insult. Y'all look God. They mock, mock God. 
Christians, that's where they make, make the mistake. They hold on to promises. They don't walk by the precepts. They disobey express commandments because it is, you know, it's Nigeria. You know, the society. That is one way of looking at following God fully by looking at the different aspects of the word of God. We take everything together, especially the precepts. That's where Christians often miss it. There is a way we do business as Christians, and it's very different from the way the world does it. Our object, our target, what we are going for is different. I said to you many times here that a Christian businessman, his first thing is not about profit. The first thing is about a good name. I go out every day to establish integrity, righteousness. My yes is yes. My no is no. If I tell you this is going to cost you 15,000 naira. The Bible says, I swear to my heart, I don't change. Once you give me a deposit, you call, I, I find out later it's going to cost me 18. That is, I'm not only not making a profit, I am making a loss. The Bible says, I'm not allowed to renegotiate. That's Christianity. <laughs> he said, he swears to his heart and does not change. Once you sign, it's an agreement. You can't renegotiate. That's Christianity. The other day, my wife had a, a Christian dose of it. She sold something to somebody. No, a suit. Sold a suit that she bought, I think, for like 25000 That is, before transporting and everything. Sold it for fifteen Because she did not know. She made a mistake. But said, oh, this one is fine. Oh, you can have that one. It was later on she suddenly realized that, gosh! And, you know, the person had taken it. Two, not one. <laughs> Two. When she, she told me, she felt bad. She had called one of the people when she now told me. I said, the Bible says, you swear to your heart, you don't change. She called them back and said, forget it, it's my mistake, not yours. He said, what if they want? I said, you are not allowed to even want them to do anything. It's your loss. It's like that in the scriptures. You swear to your heart, you don't change. Guys, this guy is scratching head. Look at the scratching. <laughs> See the scratching of head. Oh, more. <laughs> Listen, Christianity is a call to a higher level of righteousness. I told you the story before. When I heard that one, I said, I could do, even me with all the preaching, I said, what? A man flat out defrauded his brother, both of them Christians. R.J. Lutono. He and his, his brother were doing business. He said, the business is not going well because you took your relatives and put them on staff. They are contractors. So he pulled his relatives and put them on another job he has somewhere else. Since my business partner doesn't like you people, please leave here. He's saying that it's because my relatives are on the job. That's why it's not going well. He pulled them out. They had other people to replace. They continued doing the work. They managed to break even. They didn't make any money. But the other one that he sent the relatives to go and run, that one made money. And this man walked up to him and said, I hear you made money on the other contract. Well, since we're in partnership at that time, we have to share the profit. The guy said, listen, what kind of partnership are we talking about? Our partnership was on this. He said, no, you removed our staff. 
and took our staff somewhere else. The guy said, Jesus is my Lord. You said they are the reasons why we are not making progress. He said, I don't care. I'm going to sue. So Arjun Lutino said, sue. I'll see you in court. As he turned around, God said, give him the money. He had it in his, inside him. He knew he was the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Let me tell you, when certain things happen to you, get on your knees and say, God, I want to confess my sin. Say, what's my sin? My sin is that I won't give him. <laughs> now that I have confessed it, remove it out of my heart. God will now, he will remove, I won't give him out of your heart. You will now get up and find grace to give him. He found grace to give that man. He went to him and said, okay. And I know he could have lied about how much he made. But the Holy Spirit didn't even allow him to lie about that. He must know how much he made. Okay, we made $50,000. Give him a check for twenty-five. Listen, you will see it as we go on. Job, one of the scriptures I want to start with. <laughs> I said many people who, understand, who think they understand faith. When I read that scripture, they will be afraid. Job looked at his wife and said, Shall we take good from the hand of God and not take calamity? Christianity does not only give to you. He takes from you. The faith must be taught how. God looked at him and said, give him the money. And he wrote a check and gave that man. And the idiot went and collected it. There are monies you should not collect. (laughs) Because in two years, he was wiped out of business permanently. Some monies are toxic. They are toxic. They ruin your life. (laughs) Listen to me. When we are talking about following God, so we are explaining, it's a full thing. We take it. Job said, can we take good from his hand? Then when he brings calamity, we say, this is not our faith. That's why I told you, if you are getting married, don't let anybody give you that Pentecostal vow. It is of Satan. For, for rich, for richer. For riches, for richness. In health and in healthier. It's not God. They think, no, we are speaking by faith. We cannot declare what is wrong. I want nonsense. Paul said, I learned to abound and I learned how to abase. It's an all-round faith. God does not only give you visa to America. He sends you to Botswana. He sends you to Congo. And for goodness sakes, you are going to Somalia. You think prayer only gives you visa to North America? You will wake up one day, God will say, resign. Greet everybody, bye-bye. And you are feeling happy. The Lord is moving us. God says, yes, I'm moving you forward to the next phase of your life. Why are we going to Mogadishu? <laughs> you could look like God. Did you pronounce it correctly? <laughs> I don't like Bugandi. Do you like Bujumbura? Choose one. <laughs> no, what about New York? <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Lord is good. <laughs> look, I'm just on the first side. Look, we take everything from the Lord. That's a total faith. We can't compartmentalize it. The God that's going to prosper you financially. The same one that will handle your marital life for you. 
You can't use faith to believe God for finances. And when God says, submit to your husband, you don't have the faith for that. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. You can't get to the place where it hurts you. And you start rationalizing away the word of God. And you want to pray and have faith for breakthrough. That young man then, when he did what he did, I shook my head. I said, he doesn't get it. You know, they are, you know, God told Peter, he said, if I call something clean, don't open your mouth and call it unclean. And that's what he did. He called the young woman unclean. And God said, fine, if that's the way you want it. Listen, <laughs> you can't compartmentalize life. You have faith to take but you don't have faith to lay down. Jesus said, no one takes my life from you, from me. I lay it down of myself. He said, I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it up again. The two of them go together. Many of us want power to take it up. We don't, have power to lay, don't want power to lay down. Paul said, I've learned to abound and I've learned to abase. That is what gave the man command of life. That was why Jesus could look at a storm and tell the storm, are you out of your mind? And the storm said, I'm sorry, sir. The Bible, that peace be still was not shout. It doesn't have time to shout to calm a storm. It was like, are you, you know, like you look at the storm, what's your problem? Tom said, sorry, sorry, sorry. We thought you were sleeping. They don't want to scare the boys small. Listen, that was what gave him, you understand? Now, that kind of power came from the fact that he first received the power to lay things down. That's sometimes they explain. Some people will look at it and say, eh, my cousins in America, they are doing far. Your faith will say, don't go anywhere. Say, Miss God will prosper me in this land. God said, well, I will if I want to, but let's leave that one now. Right now, it's, you are not going anywhere. My book is, is, I mean, we're already working on it. Cover, in fact, if you check my DP over the next few days, you'll see it. I'm putting the cover up as my DP. Don't quit the army. And that's what I taught him, don't quit the army. In don't quit the army, didn't talk about who who God wants to bless somebody. Who is God blessing? That's what we're talking about. It's for goodness sake, no soldier, no true soldier. The Bible says, entangles himself with the things of this life. That is, being a true soldier of Christ, sometimes it endures pure hardship. No, no promises attached, just hardship. I, I, just, I, I went for a meeting yesterday with my brethren, my, my local school. And my vice president, Momian, was saying something. She said, Do we still see such things that a man like our brother Courage got up one day and said, God called him? Where? To Sokoto. And he took a bag. And that was all. And that was 17 years ago. And he's still there. She said, why don't we see such things again? Now the sign of being a pastor is last Christmas I got five cars. That is not a sign of apostleship. I'm not telling me today that ah, all of them, in fact, when I was hearing some Jesus, you just look. 
He said, look at them. Boys and girls you trained yesterday, they expect you to kneel down now to talk to them. Why? They get them tied to pastor. Jesus said, you are all brethren. You think it's a sign that you're a big pastor now? Like, uh, your house is big. Your car is big. That is not a sign of an apostle. It is not a sign that you are called. If you bow to Satan, you get the whole world. It's not a sign of anything. People who bow to Satan, they get the whole world. It's what they lose afterwards under discussion. Let's go home. What have I preached today? Faith is total. What did I say? Faith is what? Faith is what? Faith is what? Total. Every aspect of life. That is what makes our faith work strong. Remember, faith is not determination. It's a spiritual substance that's inside your soul. It is your duty to nurture it. Don't let it leak away because you want to walk in unbelief somewhere. Please go and get a series, The Fight Against Unbelief. We preached, I think, last year or the year before. But it's available there. It's MP3. It's also on the internet. You can download it easily for free. The Fight Against Unbelief. Because all the promises of God, listen to this. I'll continue on that from that point next time. If God gives a promise... Is activated by faith. Is activated by faith. There are times God wants to bless. If the faith is not there, He can't bless. He can't bless. But I'm emphasizing that the faith is not determination to get. The faith is a spiritual substance that if it's inside the soul, if it's inside the heart of a child of God, it just gets its results easily. So if the results are not flowing, ask yourself, is faith there? It's not the, mm, I close my eyes and I grit my teeth and I grind my teeth like this. I refuse to doubt. I will not doubt. Faith and Oboju are two different things. For those who are wondering what Oboju is, bold face. For those who don't know the meaning of bold face, it's strong head. For those who don't know what strong head, give me another word. All these ones are Nigerian words. It's not, it's not gragra. That's still very, it's more Nigerian than before. I want an international word. Hmm? It's not stubbornness, thank you. It's not strong will. No, that's not what faith is. Faith is so difficult to describe, you hardly find it described in the Bible. Just get used to the expression. All the times you see faith talked about in the Bible, it's talking about the application. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. We'll talk about it later. Faith being a substance of things means that if a man has hope, it is because he has faith. Let me quickly define that I close with it. When we say faith is the substance of things hoped for, it does not mean when I have a hope, I look for faith to add to it. That's a wrong reading of that thing. Faith, hope is a firm expectation. If I have a firm expectation, it is because faith has caused me to trust in the word of God and it has given me a new expectation in life. It's a substance in our soul which we must be careful that we don't let it leak away. Because we want to compartmentalize life. I hope you've gotten my point. I hope you're blessed today. Let's bow down heads and say, Lord, thank you. Can we just put up our hands and say, Father, we thank you. Say, Lord, I thank you for setting me free. Yeah, very important. Say, Lord, I thank you because I've been set free. I've been set free from the law. And I've been set free from sin. I have been set free to serve you. I have been set free to walk in righteousness. I have been set free from the loss of the flesh. 
I've been set free from the lust of the eyes. And I've been set free from the pride of life. Say, Lord, I thank you. Because I've been set free from the fear of tomorrow. I've been set free from the fear of poverty. I've been set free from the fear of death. I've been set free from the fear of death. Say, Satan has no dominion over me. And sin has no dominion over me. I am above all the agents of darkness. I am above the devil because I'm seated with Christ. Thank you because I've been set free. Father God, I bless your people with your blessing. And I declare upon everybody present here that the Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord will bless you in your going out. He will bless you in your coming in. He will bless your basket. Amen. He will bless your storehouse. Amen. He will bless the work of your hands. Everything that you do is blessed. Amen. God, this week, God will open doors that were closed before for you. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You will not need to chase the favor of any man. Amen. God will send favor to you. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. God will send favor to you. Amen. He will send help to you. Amen. Help will come from above. Help will come from places you did not know they knew your name. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, Archbishop Bidaosa used to say, the reason why people get small favors is because they look for favors in small places. Your favor will come from above. Amen. From before the Almighty. Amen. And that favor will be almighty on your behalf. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I declare you healed from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Lassa fever can't get you in the name of Jesus Christ. For your sake, Lassa fever is rebuked in the name of Jesus. The same God that drove Ebola out is on Lassa fever's case and is out of this nation in the name of Jesus. We put a stop to that epidemic. We put a stop to that outbreak. We command it to stop in the name of Jesus Christ. Wherever it is, stop in the name of Jesus. You demon of epidemic of Lassa fever, we cast you out of this nation now in the name of Jesus Christ. This nation is blessed. This nation is blessed. No matter the price of the dollar, we are blessed. No matter the price of crude, we are blessed. And you saying amen, you are blessed. In the name of Jesus Christ. You are blessed in the morning. You are blessed at noon. You are blessed at midnight. No evil will befall you. And no plague will come near your dwelling place. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Remember, don't worship the doctor, worship God. Yes, I, I, you hear what I said? Yes, don't worship the doctor, worship God. Worship him. Wake up in the morning and when you go to the toilet, as you are releasing the, other, the liquid or the solid, be thanking God. Yes. Say, Lord, I thank you. you know, like I tell my wife sometimes, you come out of the toilet and say, man, this is a sign of a man that is blessed. And all I just did was to visit the White House. You know, you should thank God all the time. Alright, God will keep your intestines working. Amen. If you have any affliction in your intestine, I rebuke it. Now I command healing to come there in Jesus' name. I, any part from your throat, alright, to your backside, every part of your alimentary tract, especially now I pray for that. Healing in the name of Jesus. Amen. If they say it's hemorrhoids you have, pile, whatever it is, I curse it now and I command healing to come there in the name of Jesus. Amen. Liver be healed. Because Jesus died for that sake. 
Once he rose up from the dead, he said, every liver, you are healed. You are healed in Jesus' name. Let's share the grace in fellowship. Because of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, surely we have passed out of death and we have passed into life. We have passed out of darkness into the light of Christ. We have passed out from under the curse into the blessing. All things have passed away in our lives. We are now filled with the Spirit of Christ. We live above sin and walk above the devil because we are seated high above with Christ. This is our season of fruitfulness in the name of Jesus Christ. All right, sorry, I missed that myself. We add multiplication to it, all right? This is our season of fruitfulness and multiplication in the name of Jesus Christ. One more time. This is my season of fruitfulness and multiplication in the name of Jesus. Bless somebody on your left, on your right. Bless another person. All right, cherub brethren. God bless you.